0: if we could have everybody introduce themselves so we know who we're talking to. I'm Suzanne Prentice. I'm the coordinator of Live Well Kalkaska Substance Free Coalition. Hi, I'm Lisa Anderson.
1: I'm a certified prevention specialist with Up North Prevention, which is part of Catholic Human Services, and I cover Kalkaska, Grand Travers, and Leelanau counties, and I am the chairperson of the Live Well Kalkaska Coalition, and we are coming to you from the lovely village of Kalkaska in my kitchen because Suzanne's internet is horribly unstable and we want to <laughs> blow it today so right <laughs> so. I'm going to hand it off to Pam
2: hi everybody my name is Pam Lynch and I am with Harm Reduction Michigan and I'm here with Michelle Winberg and we are grateful to Dr. Devaney up there. Um, Adam and I went to grad school together, so that, that's my my pet name for Dr. Devaney. And um, we're really excited to be back in um, sharing space uh, and able to provide syringe access services in Kalkaska, the village of Kalkaska. With that, how about you, Adam?
3: I'm Adam Devaney. I'm a licensed clinical social worker. I'm the owner and operator of Life's Work Clinic in the village of Kalkaska, and uh, where we provide services uh, ranging from uh, psychotherapy, recovery counseling, uh, medication assisted treatment for opioid use disorders and psychiatry.
1: Awesome. I'm just going to go by our screen here. Uh, Kim Johnson. Hi, I'm Kim Johnson. I'm a peer recovery coach.
4: Um, in Traverse City, Michigan. Um, I
2: also am a sexual health ambassador uh, through Planned Parenthood. Um, So trying to get the word out there about hepatitis and HIV prevention.
1: Great, thanks.
5: Uh, George Davis. Hey there y'all, I'm George Davis. I am here representing district health department number 10. Um, So we're 10 counties, but we encompass Health CASCA, and I represent usually our, our sexual health clinics and services and our testing services for HIV, hepatitis, syphilis, and, and so on. So I'm happy to be uh, the local health department uh, voice on this call.
0: Thank you.
1: Awesome. Welcome. Victoria.
6: Sorry, I'm slow to unmute. I am the complex care coordinator at the Thomas Should Care Center. We service 30 counties in northern Michigan. So um, I specifically am working in early intervention and um, kind of starting the response with this self-testing for HIV currently.
1: Awesome. Lauren.
7: hey, uh, It's uh, wonderful to be here. Uh, my name is Lauren Powell. I'm the Emerging HIV Networks Coordinator with uh, the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services. I'm in our new uh, Ending the HIV Epidemic Unit. So um, just kind of what that means. Um, So I'm there to like help with coordinating our internal response to areas of concern, increases in cases or um, networks of interest and um, making sure that we're on the same page within the health department and also externally with our partners. And um, just lovely to be here. Wonderful to have the opportunity to speak. So thank you very much
4: for inviting us. Glad to have you. Carrie. good morning. I'm Carrie Allery Smith. I am the community outreach educator with Planned Parenthood here in Traverse City. Um, So I am a sexual health educator, um, probably most specifically just for the purposes of this call. Um, I do specialize in HIV education prevention and viral hepatitis Um, prevention education. um, I do that within some of the, Uh, substance use disorder treatment centers um, in the area. And I also coordinate the uh, Sexual Health Ambassador Program, which is the program that Kim mentioned that she is an ambassador for. Uh, And that is a program where we have trained individuals in recovery to help co-teach HIV and viral hepatitis education within treatment
0: centers. So um,
4: I'm just very happy to be here.
1: Awesome. Uh, let's see
3: here, Tim Hudson. Hi everybody, uh, I'm the Behavioral Health Consultant with Michigan Opioid Collaborative and I cover the uh, Northern 21 Counties.
1: Sure.
3: Uh, chat. Good
8: morning, everybody. Um, kind of new to Catholic Human Services here in Alpena. Uh, this is my third week on the job. I'm uh, mm-hmm. retired retired police officer after 25 years, so um, got hired in Catholic Human Services, work in prevention. Um, my area is going to be Roger City, Onaway, and Alpena, and uh, I'm glad to be here.
1: Welcome, Chet. So, front desk when he checks in. Just as a reminder. A form, if you form that he'll sign, um, they have, like, a little tablet thing up there that
0: he sign.
4: And then it's auto. Yep.
9: So, okay, Heidi, go ahead. He Hi, can you guys hear me? I think everybody needs to remember to mute. Um, I am a community outreach specialist with Thomas Judd Care Center at Munson Healthcare. We service all the 30 counties that Munson services.
0: Welcome. Thank you. Dr. McGram. I call me Dave, Dave McGram. Um,
10: I'm the medical director of the Northern Michigan O-Bons Consortium, uh, we work under a federal grant to cover about 21 counties in Northern Michigan uh, and a variety of initiatives related to treatment prevention and recovery. And I'm here today to try to learn more about uh, uh, the background of what's going on in Kalkaska and uh, what we can do to help approach uh, prevention and treatment. And I have to get off this call about 11.30 11, or 11, 11.40. Sorry. I'm sorry
11: about noon.
0: That's all right. Uh, let's see here, Jacob.
11: Hi everyone. My name is Jacob Watson. I'm an HIV epidemiologist with the state of Michigan. I work closely with Lauren in the uh, investigation of networks of concern. And I provide all the epidemiological support and kind of background for uh, these networks. And again,
1: thanks so much for having us here. I really appreciate it. Thanks for being here. Tim
8: Shrewcraft. Hello, my name is Tim Shrewcraft. I'm also with Michigan Opioid Collaborative out of uh, the University of Michigan Medicine, Anesthesiology. Um, I'm a peer recovery project coordinator for the group, covering um, pretty much the whole state, working with the behavioral health consultants like Mr. Hudson.
0: Awesome. Welcome.
12: Dr. McMorrow. Hello. um, I'm Rob McMorrow. I am an addiction uh, medicine physician Uh, located down in Houghton Lake. I work with the Michigan Opioid Collaborative with uh, Tim and Tim um, and uh, as a consulting physician and uh, happy to be here and let me know if you have any questions. Great. welcome.
0: Nate Saylor.
13: Hey guys, I'm not sure if I'm muted. I'm one of the family docs in Kalkaska. I've um, been working along with the HIV outbreak, essentially, um, with the Thomas Judd Center and the health department, but just here for any questions or uh, anything else. I'm excited to be here, thanks.
0: Thanks for being here. And it looks like last but not least, Donna <laughs> Uh Hello, I am with
4: um, Up North per- Just wanted to jump on and listen to the conversation, see all the good things that are happening and the activities um, going on over in Kalkaska. So interested to hear today's conversation. Thank you for hosting.
1: So welcome. We have not had this uh, large and distinguished of a group for a while. So Suzanne and I are both extremely excited about this. Um, Suzanne, oh, more her than me. She's the nervous one. <laughs> um, was you know we've we've garnered a little attention. Usually we don't get such great representation here. Um, we've had a couple of pre-conversations before this one, and um, so we don't really have any set format. I know Suzanne's got a couple of ideas, so I'm going to let you jump
0: in. Yeah, I so I. I would like to start out on the state levels. You know, uh, who can give us information on what exactly is going on in Kalkaska? Um, I know the local paper called it an an actual outbreak, but the numbers probably wouldn't call it an outbreak. (laughs) So I think, um, so let's see. Yeah, I don't know, Lauren or? Jacob, or yeah. who wants to yeah. take us?
11: Yeah, I think I think Lauren and I can kind of tag team this question. I'll start with some kind of with some kind of epidemiological background and some kind of verbiage on why, at the state, we're not technically labeling it an outbreak. Um, just for some background, um, we discovered this kind of increase in the diagnoses uh, early this past year, in 2021, towards the end of 2020. And it really takes the form of an increase in new diagnoses in the Kalkaska, in, the, in Kalkaska County. And um, some of the big reason that it really stood out wasn't the number of increases, it's just how unusual it is to see HIV diagnoses in Calcasca. I believe from 2009 till 2016, there was no new diagnoses in the County of Calcasca, And then starting in 2017, we started seeing one or two, and then I think it peaked at around four in um, 2019. Sorry, my dog's complaining. Um, so it's not so much the number of new diagnoses, seeing them at all in a low burden jurisdiction. Um, just talking about rates um, in 2019, the rate of new HIV diagnoses was four times overall new diagnosis rate in Michigan and a little less than three times the rate in the Detroit area. So it's just It's a super high diagnosis rate, but that translates to smaller numbers, but a large rate because of the low population in Calcasca and low number of people living with HIV in Calcasca. Demographics wise, it kind of fits the Calcasca area. It's mostly white individuals, it's a little bit older Um, from the state level. What we really saw in the beginning was we did not think um, drug use right away. There was no intravenous drug use associated with individuals uh, that were diagnosed recently um our heads kind of went right away to swingers and swinging type parties and that kind of um transmission type of thing happening um but whenever we're talking about calcaska there is that kind of risk that the cdc identified and the state of michigan also identified dealing with the possibility for a jump from a network that's primarily sex-based to an IDU-based network. And CalCasco was identified by the CDC and by the state of Michigan as a higher-risk county for an occurrence of that like this to happen based on uh, opioid data and general kind of trends of, um, of intravenous drug use in the area. Um, so right now, our response in CalCasco, which we want to get to in a little bit, is kind of focused on making sure we're detecting everyone who may be living with HIV in the area. So, we're really focusing on testing events, home testing, really getting everyone who may be at risk, even if they don't think they're at risk, tested for HIV and brought into care. So, we don't reach that tipping point. And a tipping point is what the CDC identifies as that jump from non IDU into IDU. So, we haven't seen that yet. There's no evidence of that yet, but that's obviously what we're trying to avoid. And um, Lauren can get into a little bit of the kind of what we've been doing at the state level while I take
7: care of my daughter real quick. Thanks for that information, Jacob. Um, yeah, so um, just kind of like along with like what Jacob said, um, it's not like, you know, we wouldn't call it an outbreak in Calcasca. you know, it doesn't rise to level an outbreak by any of our metrics or standards, but we really want to just promote awareness, you know, we want to make sure that it's out there in the community that you know that, like, you know, there is, there is prevalence out there, and that, you know, that anybody who is living with HIV can be connected to care. And we want to make sure that we're, you know, making sure that we're providing those resources in those areas so that individuals can get tested, and not just for HIV, for STIs, and for hepatitis, you know, really, I mean, we want to, you know, kind of normalizing HIV testing and just care in general, you know, it's sexual health is health, and just, you know, making sure that, 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 you know, there is an awareness out there so that the community can take the steps to protect themselves and also be aware, you know, um, you know, if you're engaging in risk-based activities, you know, knowing your level of risk, just knowing that there is prevalence out there and that you're taking the proper steps, whether that's wearing condoms, you know, being on prep, uh, pre-exposure prophylaxis to prevent transmission, you know, there's a lot of different options and making sure that, you know, you're aware and you're able to, um, you know, just aware of what's going on and also just to Try to work to increase testing options you know in northern Michigan and just kind of like work on you know of course we know that there's can be a lot of stigma and you know we want to make sure that everybody has access to the care they need a number of these individuals presented at late stage diagnosis so they're very sick you know coming to the emergency room you know we you know HIV it's we have great treatments nowadays you know everybody you can live a long healthy happy life and you know it really is a treatable condition so you know, we really don't want to see anybody coming in at stage three, like where they're really, really sick and having those negative impacts, you know, we want to make sure that, you know, everybody has the services they need, that it's out there, um, you know, that you're aware. And as Jacob said, you know, also being concerned, just we, you know, we don't want to see anything transmit, come over into the IDU community. And, you know, really all of these HIV, hepatitis, you know, the opioid epidemic, you know, they all kind of, you may have heard like the term syndemic you know they all kind of work together and like some of those risks so making sure that we're sharing that information and that we're working collaboratively so um, you know just wanting to make sure that information is out there um understood and you know just seeking out like you know what we can do to help at the state you know whether that's you know providing services talking you know um you know but really on the ground like you know you're the ones in the community i mean we're you know with the state i mean we can do a lot of things, but you know, you're the ones on the ground talking to the clients, you know, um, you know, and we really appreciate all the work you do for the community in Calcasca and the surrounding areas. Um, So, sorry, I'm a little long winded, but that's my little spiel, but um, you know, that's kind of, we're just really happy to be here. We're really happy to explore any new partnerships or any new ways that we can, you know, we can work to support, you know, we've done a lot of work with Victoria, um, you know, as, and George as well at District Health Department 10, you know, they've done a lot of great work, both uh, Victoria and George, you know, just working to stand up some resources and, you know, make, making those options available and really making sure that people have the information they need to protect their health and live happy, long
5: lives. So, uh,
0: George, can you add anything to that?
5: Sure, yeah, and to just piggyback off of Lauren, um, to make sure people have this information at the local level, I think uh, to respect that, to empower a patient to make decisions for their own health um, and to respect that information is prevention. Um, When clients can be informed of what's circulating in the community, they can make choices uh, to positively impact their health or the health of the network of folks that they are with. Um, So from the local health department level, Um, Working with the numbers from the state, we also are are looking at how can we be team players in the community, and so we've implemented some other interventions, Um, we have offered free condoms from the health department for years, uh, but we now have uh, an option that folks can go to our website and order free mail order condoms. Um, We know there's a stigma still to buying those at the store or coming in in person so to break that barrier down we we were happy to mail those out. Uh, And we are currently in the process of developing a system and it should roll out here shortly uh, that folks can order um, HIV home tests from us. Um, While we prefer folks come to our office because then we can offer more testing as far as hepatitis C and STD testing and syphilis and other blood draws, we wanna respect that there are folks who may not feel safe or comfortable coming in or in a situation of their home life where they can't come in. that they can request that test and we're happy to mail that out to them um, with a short questionnaire to make sure we're cap- capturing some demographics um, that we need for our funding and reporting for statistics. And then also working along with our community partners, uh, physicians, uh, hospital systems to understand that we are also offering free HIV and office testing and then reduced and low cost uh, sliding fee-scale testing for things like hepatitis C, syphilis, chlamydia, gonorrhea, Um, If folks are having uh, complications, they think they may have genital warts or herpes, they are welcome to come to our clinical services. Again, we will never turn anybody down if they are unable to pay Uh, it, it, but that also is on a sliding fee scale, uh, helps keep our doors open if if folks need that um, free non-judgmental service. So those are kind of the interventions that we're rolling with now um, and then continue to work with our partnerships.
0: Awesome. Um, anyone from the Thomas Judd Center want to add to any of this? Yeah, so something that we
6: implemented and I believe, Heidi, you can correct me if I'm wrong, 2015, we started offering PrEP, um, pre-exposure prophylaxis, in our office in PEP, which has really increased rapidly in the last few years. Um, So um, that is something that we offer in, you know, to anyone in the state, we do have people who travel from Flint um, up to Traverse City to receive prep, Um, and then we have uh, recently started advertising with QR codes, our self-testing kits, and you can go on the the QR code, fill out some basic information, and then the self-testing kit is delivered to you. Similar to what George said, though, you know, people are still wanting and requesting um, in-person testing, which has increased since we've started advertising these things, because they want the other testing as well. Um, So something I'm in the beginning conversations of is to get some um, at-home STI testing as well which I think is really interesting and cool. Um, and so there is a little bit of follow-up that happens with this because they're filling out the demographic information. We, um, once they do request the test, it's mailed off. They're they're asked to follow back up. If they do not follow back up, um, they get a call from me um, just asking for their test results or if they have any questions. Um, and it's not a seamless process yet but we're working through the kinks. Um, and Heidi, so,
1: do you have anything to add, Valerie? Oh. How long does it so? Um, it's been a while since uh-huh. I had a test, and it used to be that it would take a week or you know a couple of days to get the results if you went in and got tested in person. Um, what is the timeline now for an HIV test? Um, so if you have if you do an in home test, you have to mail it in and wait for the results.
6: No, um, it's a rapid test. So these are or quick. Okay. Um, and the, it's a 20 minute test if you come okay. into our office we would do the um, rapid blood test um, the air determine um, and then if that's positive it's followed with a um, yeah there it is Lauren was just showing you an or quick that's what exactly we get to you <laughs> yeah we
2: don't
6: it really that. is. and cool. when I'm giving them that's kind of how I describe it to people because that's how a positive result is read as well. Um, and I leave in the package that I send people, I, I'm filling it with condoms, lube, um, testing information um, for all kinds of diseases um, and then well, local resources.
1: And I will um, say, Victoria, here on the on the front lines, so to speak, um, thank, you, thank you for that generosity because um, we've been able to get it into uh restrooms at some of the local watering holes and I just had a conversation actually with our senior center that's going to do a basket in the restroom um at the the and uh so yeah I try to try to be hands-on sort of don't take that the wrong way (laughs) (laughs) uh well that's
6: great you know we're not in that community physically so um I love that we can have a connection with you guys yep
1: and and any written information about those testing services too we're trying to get those out and about and and um for our health department friends like the conversations that i've been having with people is yes they're aware that there are um resources at the health department but sometimes even the act of Parking in the health department parking lot and walking through the door in a small community is um, problematic sometimes. Mm-hmm.
6: Yeah, and I do know. I think District Ten has many locations. I, th- I believe George said that people can go to any of them, um, but people have said the same thing about coming to Tamashad—that it's you know that, like it took them three tries to actually come in and get tested. So. It'll be interesting to see if this can remove that barrier and that you know people you know have it come to their mailbox, um, take
0: the test, and go from there. We'll see. Victoria, this is going to be seen by the public, so could you go over what exactly is the Thomas Judge Center for people for those who don't know?
6: Sure. Would you mind if I let Heidi
9: do that? That's she's really good at that spiel. Okay. <laughs> My gosh. <laughs> Um, so, Hi, Thomas Care Center functions essentially as the HIV clinic at Munson Healthcare. So, we um, provide HIV care, resources, education, and prevention for the entire Munson Healthcare service area. So, we have case managers who help folks navigate. Um, from testing to diagnosis to all the resources that they may be eligible for as a person living with HIV. Um, Essentially, our goal is to keep folks in care and remove any barriers that may prevent them from maintaining their care. And additionally, we try and, you know, one of my big roles is getting out in the community and forming partnerships and collaborations with people to just even let the public know that we exist because it's not the easiest um, thing to do. One of the, so with outreach, what we've been doing is um, we've upped our everywhere you go advertising, which are the ads that you often see inside restaurants, restrooms, Gym bathrooms, gas station bathrooms, bus stops, things like that. We added the QR code that Victoria mentioned for the um, at home testing. So that's going to be in over 50 locations in our region. Um, I think starting this week, they should be up. We do lots of uh, social media advertising. We advertise on apps, uh, sort of like hookup apps, uh, friend making apps, maybe we'll call them. And, um, you know, we just try to get the word out that we exist um, primarily. So that's kind of what we do. We do a lot
0: for a little small, but mighty group. All right. Answering a question there. Um, so let's see, Dr. Saylor, um, on a local level, uh, what would you like people to know, say they don't wanna go into. Um, any of these places, but they would like to go to their local doctor?
13: Yeah, great question. So um, we've actually been, the health department's been phenomenal at just kind of making us more aware of what's going on too. um, A couple of the patients that started this were just people that um, were identified at routine visits um, and per CDC guidelines were recommended routine screening. And so they got that done. And then of course they were positive and that's that's part of what set everything off. So it was a good, it was a good lesson for awareness for the staff here, um, just to be on the lookout for trying to offer that more routinely than, than you know in the past, where it was just kind of people that maybe had some risk factors you would offer it, but now trying to get everybody tested at a physical or a well visit or, or, or uh, just a regular office visit. So um, for patients that are patients of our clinic that want to just come in or even coming into the ER, they can come in and get tested either way. Um, our providers are happy to to provide that test and it's the drawn in the room and then we'll send them a, a result later so that's um kind of like a bringing more awareness to the the topic and as patients have heard or people of citizens of Kalkaska um have been listening to the news or even just rumor mill whatever we've had a lot more questions lately just from patients coming in saying hey I heard about HIV in our town what's going on and then we can have another discussion about yeah it's good to get checked and um and offering more testing so there, there's still it's still being worked out as far as insurance coverage and who covers what i don't want to answer those questions because that's always a, a question of um, how expensive the test is going to be um, i know that the health department is offering them for free per um, and they can correct me if i'm wrong but i think that was the last i had heard and our lab has been working on trying to get the cost down but i haven't heard an update on that as of late so depending on obviously if they have a an insurance that's a state insurance like a medicaid plan that would be covered um but the other private insurance companies you know those are all different so still working through that that's usually the biggest burden is cost but as far as having a conversation or uh, wanting to know more all of our providers are well versed and um we've had a lot of lot of discussions regarding this whole situation over the past several months since it since it began
0: awesome thanks for being here um, yeah my pleasure I'm gonna ask you guys to do something in case you know people wanna collaborate with somebody else. Can you put your name and your email address in and that way if somebody wants to connect with you, they'll have that information. Put it in the chat. In the chat, thanks. And,
1: and I have a question just for any of our uh, health providers as I was sitting here. Um, so possibly this this increase that we're seeing, I'm just wondering, you know i'm thinking maybe testing in general was probably affected by the pandemic because a lot of things took uh, a backseat to the pandemic and um you know am i right in thinking that that that's a possibility uh that the routine testing wasn't
7: happening yeah, and I can uh, just like from a state level, um, definitely throw it to uh, Georgia district health 10 for more local, but it's it just statewide COVID has definitely negatively impacted that all. And that's one of the big things that we're hoping to kind of you know, just promote more testing because like the levels have dropped quite significantly from where they were before the pandemic, You know, people just aren't coming in for services, clinics have been closed. I mean, it's, it's just been a brave new world with COVID. So it's really impacted all of us in many different ways. And that, and that's part of the concern too, you know, was the way we see cases and can identify this is like through testing and seeing those positives. But if you don't have testing, we don't have visibility to be able to identify and see that. So we want to make sure to promote testing, like through any, like, you know, any means, you know, through self-testing in clinic, you know, otherwise, but really just you know, it's not just a Kalkaska thing. It really is just, I mean, and it's not just a northern Michigan thing. I mean, it's throughout the state of Michigan, you know, working to get the testing back to where it was and making sure that it's available so that we can make sure that we're on top of this. And if we see something, we can, we can act quickly, you know, so that we don't have a case where it does transition over into the IDU community. And we do have something. you know, that is like, you know, that is one of the biggest fears, you know, you see what And you know you see what happened in Scott County and everything. I mean that's something that we never want to happen, you know. And that's part of why we've been so like strong and committed in this response to Calcasca because we want to make sure to cut that off at the head and make sure that everybody has the services they need. But um, testing has definitely been a challenge, you know. And we appreciate all our local providers because you've been on the front lines really, you know doing this work and taking care of clients. And, you know, it's not like you're not testing because of a lack of want. I mean, it's just, it's a challenging environment and we appreciate everybody's efforts and, you know just hoping to return to that level and go above, you know.
13: Yeah, just to add to that, I think that was the most striking thing about a lot of these cases was that um, a number of them were people who were contacted I think via contact tracing, but some of the tests or when they were finally identified as positive they had pretty severe uh, late stages disease. Um, so that kind of goes to the fact that they were they had HIV for a while um, <clears throat> without being tested. And, this, and COVID, like you had said, I mean, there was a, a period of at least a year where there were non-essential visits. So people just weren't coming in for physicals. And that's really where a lot of this stuff was picked up was just routine physicals that they finally showed up for. And then boom, they had the test just for screening and it was positive. So uh, definitely, I think encouraging the community to know that, hey, if you haven't been in the doctor in two years, now's your time to get in. And um, we're happy to run tests, uh, obviously, but um, the sooner the better for a lot of these situations, just so we can prevent late stage diagnoses. Yeah, Dr. Saylor, um,
10: I'm just wondering, do the primary care doctors and other physicians and providers throughout the region, um, understand the criteria
13: for HIV screening. Um, uh, that's a great question. The answer is they should. Um, I mean, there's lots of guidelines coming out of the CDC as far as how to test, who to test, when to test. Um, we've actually put in our Cerner EMR, so all of the months and organization hospitals um, have. A, there's a what's called a recommendations panel, and it's a, a an automatic way <clears throat> of making sure that patients are getting the right screening tests. So. For example, like if they're 50 years old, it'll, it'll alert you that hey they're due for a colonoscopy or if they're a diabetic and they haven't had their A1C checked in three months it'll alert you like hey they need an A1C so it's the same thing. There is a a recommendations that pops up for everybody at the age of 13 I believe and up. Uh, for at least a once per screening or once per lifetime per screening. And then depending on if that patient has other risk factors identified in their list of diagnoses, it may uh, ask for more frequent HIV testing and the provider can click off it or doesn't have to order it, but at least it's a reminder that says, hey, they're due. So that's one of the ways that we've worked at trying to um, improve testing or increase testing just in well visits. I think the struggle that providers have everywhere right now is there's so much to do and there's less and less time to do it. So as you know, probably if you've went to your physician, um, how much time is spent with them looking at the screen and checking off boxes versus how much is how much time is spent face to face with the patient. Um, there's obviously lots of other measures that, we're, that they're trying to do. So that's the biggest struggle is just trying to get everything done when the patient is here, which again is, is one reason to try to automate it as much as possible to help providers. I know our clinic, we've had lots of conversations. Um, A number of the other providers here have been in meetings similar to this, talking directly about this HIV um, case increase. So I think in our, for sure, I can say in our clinic, we've definitely talked about it. And then I've brought it up to some other months in um, administrative meetings that I'm, or uh, like panels that I'm on. So the conversation's out there. And I think the more people know about it, and the more they talk about it, the better.
10: Yeah, I agree. I, Um, It sounds like you've got a pretty good automated process to do this. It's embedded in your EMR, but your EMR isn't the only EMR out there. Um, So could other providers
13: with different EMRs miss these folks? Certainly, yeah. And even if it's in the EMR, it doesn't mean you do it. I mean, that's the, the biggest thing is it was in our EMR too. And there were a lot of providers that just, they were focused on other things. So that wasn't what they were particularly looking for. And um, in a couple of these cases that were identified as positive, they, they did not self-identify with any behaviors that would be risky. Um, so a couple of them were in like uh, the same relationship, or had reported they were in the same stable relationship for years, um, even though that ended up not being true, <clears throat> um, but that's what they reported. So they, I don't, I mean, if there's patients that are kind of living a quote, double life, if you will, um, they're not going to be easily picked up unless you actually kind of bring up the idea of just routine screening, because they're not identifying. So with that, you have a 20 year relationship with the patient, you're not suspicious that there's anything going on, or that they would be at risk. Um, and so you just kind of don't even look at that recommendations panel or ignore it or click off it or focus on their diabetes, hypertension, and whatever else they have going on. So. Um, Most EMRs, you can add these kind of recommendations or reminders so that that is possible. And like I said, in in Northern Michigan, at least, I mean, most of the practices that are owned by Munson have the same EMR um, or the same recommendations panel. So it'd be really the smaller clinics that wouldn't. And I can't really speak, you know, there's obviously everybody's a little different, but again, the more patients are bringing it up to the physician, the more we can bring it up in conversation, the better likelihood that people will start to get tested more often.
0: So Pam and Adam, can you, can you tell us why harm reduction is so important in our area when it comes to people with substance use? Going disorder? on the microphone. Excuse me. Hi
2: guys. I'm sorry. We've, we've got somebody here. Um, so, well, harm reduction is important because as um, most people in recovery know, um, when people are trying to make a change and whether that's, Losing weight, um, whether that's increasing your exercise habits, whether that's discontinuing processed sugar, um, whatever kind of change you're trying to make, um, it usually is a process. It's not something that happens overnight, right? And so unfortunately, we've had a treatment system that was really set up Um, as though recovery or addiction is an acute problem. It's not an acute problem. So we've been providing acute services for a chronic disease, which doesn't really make sense. And so part of what happens with harm reduction, harm reduction is all of the things that people will need to take care of themselves and to protect themselves in a preventative way while they're working their way through that process. So it's kind of like when people quit smoking, right? On the average, it takes people nine times to quit smoking. And so, you know, I'm sure people go into it the first time and, you know, swear they're never going to have another cigarette. And then invariably they may end up having another cigarette. The number of people that actually quit smoking quit like finally and completely the very first time they try is very small number. So we want to look at these other chemical dependencies in the same ways. Right. And so Um, Just because the substance is illegal or socially unacceptable or the route of administration is socially unacceptable. It doesn't make how people make those changes any different than me trying to quit processed sugar or that person over there trying to quit tobacco. So harm reduction is about providing resources and information so that people have ways to stay healthier and minimize negative consequences like hepatitis C or HIV while they're working their way through that process.
3: Yeah, I I agree with Pam. And um, I think that uh, especially when listening to uh, Dr. Saylor and other practitioners, I think that the important thing to understand about screening is that we're all super specialized. And that specialization sometimes leads to blinders. And so we see what's in front of us. And, and and oftentimes we're very busy with what's in front of us. So when things come uh, pop up on our EMR or pop up in the news, it's easy for us to not see that. And just to trudge ahead with what's in front of us. And so I know with myself, I'm so busy as a, as a therapist, um, you know, running the, running the MAT program, expanding into psychiatry, trying to figure out all kinds of other things that we can do with our, with our clinic. And so we're so specialized that it's important, I feel, to reach out and actually uh, partner with and collaborate with organizations like Harm Reduction Michigan, because, they have their specialty and their specialty is catching this stuff their specialty is addressing this stuff this their specialty is getting out there and and educating people on how to reduce the harms associated with their behavior without judgment and without assuming that they're just going to simply stop the behavior so since we can't do all of that in what we do at our clinic it's important that we have other organizations that come in and assist us with that that part of it um you know we've uh, this, this has been kind of an on and off thing uh, with uh, harm reduction uh, o- over the years, and uh, we've everything from using your lo- lobby for one of our, our, uh, our lobbies to uh, during our clinics in Traverse City to, um, you know, bringing you in before, bringing you in again. Look, I just hope it sticks because the thing is, is that we're all so specialized that we miss things, and we need organizations and partnerships with organizations they're there to catch the things that we can't do.
1: That's a really good point, Adam. And that's why we feel strongly about bringing conversations like this together um, because we all have our, our various specialties here, uh, but the, the subject, they, they interlink. You know, Harm reduction is of course part of, um, or it should be, uh, part of the substance use disorder conversation, which is also part of the overall health conversation, which is part of the HIV prevention and treatment conversation. And all of this has a certain amount of stigma associated with it. And so, I, um, you know, that's where everybody gets a little all wiggly sometimes is the stigma piece. Um, that it's like, well, I can't talk about that part of it because that's, I'm not directly involved with that. And um, so if any of you would like to talk a little bit about stigma, whether it pertains to HIV testing and treatment or to SUD treatment, um, any of those kinds of things and how we should or could as a community address um, the, the stigmatization of these health issues, jump in.
3: If, if oh, I could, yeah. if I could, real quick, I, I think I feel like point of service, right? Like the fact that I have a couple of people that are coming in. Uh, someone that I just met with for counseling at our at our clinic is now coming in on Thursday to get tested and bring somebody else to get tested, um, right? Uh, so, like in house at the same place, like it was. I was able to say, "Oh, you're concerned because your former partner now, you know, has apparently been living with Hep C for all these years." we got that covered just come in on thursday between 11 and 2 and we'll get you tested and she's like oh i'll bring my partner now you know because i've been with him for all these years it's that point of service and if you have that relationship if you have that trust already established primary care etc if you have that trust established and you can do that stuff in house and you can refer within in-house to at that point of service dynamite
8: and i i think that is an excellent point right there but also to um add to Adam's previous point um, with the community partnerships and the blinders like we all we all most of us are from a different organization or agency or or industry and see different reasons for this issue altogether let alone how to deal with it Um, and while in-house in that in having all the services condensed is is an awesome way to deal with how to treat it um, at, in the moment, but what if that person moves to a different community and they no longer have that singular entity. And that's the only thing that they have that experience with. But we need to realize everyone needs to realize is that C HIV substance use disorder are problems that aren't going away. They've been here for a long time and what we've been doing doesn't work. It's been made clear, it's gotten worse for the past, the opioid epidemic has done nothing but get worse for what, 15-ish years? What we're doing is not solving the problem and we need to start doing something differently. And we need to accept that like harm reduction strategies save lives. They, they reduce transmission of, of infectious diseases and they save lives. And whether we have a personal issue against the, the notion of harm reduction, like I have a bigger personal issue against people dying. And so uh, any strategy that stops that, or at least reduces it, we, the, the, the treatment conversation doesn't even necessarily have to be a part of that. It can be, and hopefully somebody wants the the improvements in their life that come with that, but I at least want them to stay alive so they have that opportunity.
2: So I'm gonna jump in here if that's okay. So Tim, you're talking um, on September 10th, we're doing a thing at the Park Place in Traverse City, and we're bringing in Dr. Robert Heimer from Yale University who talks about how, you know, uh, I think one of his published articles talks about, If you put as much money into syringe service programming and HIV care, it would be more effective than all of the money that's going into drug treatment, the way drug treatment stands right now. Because as we know, there's a lot of drug treatment throughout the state. Um, Honestly, I got to tell you guys, another thing that will be a part of that day um, on September 10th at the Park Place will be a discussion about somebody we just lost. Um, And that's one of the reasons why I'm really glad to be talking in this collaborative effort here with all of these partners, because we just had a combat veteran from our Cadillac office that we worked for for with for a very long time die of an overdose in a veterans' home, and um, it was just really pretty sickening. So what you're talking about, Tim, with how like we can we are doing all this stuff, but people are still dying, um, and I was really frustrated because. You know, the physician called, one of the physicians called and said, you know, well, I'm just really wanted to say we're really sorry to hear about, you know, but, the, but, but he was just such a hard case. And I'm, I'm really pretty over blaming the victim, you know, because I, I looked at that doctor and I said, you know what? He was not necessarily any harder of a case than, you know, dozens of other people that we deal with. I can make you a list of places where he fell through the cracks. He was in a freaking veteran's home. He would have stood a better chance of surviving that overdose if he would have fallen down on the street corner because guess what somebody would have called 911 if he was laying on the street corner but because he was in his bed in his room with the door shut at the veterans home nobody bothered to call 911 so it was really difficult to um our whole staff has has been working its way through this death because the maddening thing to me is not just that the guy died but because in so many ways, the system failed him. Um, And so that's why I'm happy to have this partnership because we wanna have warm handoffs. We want, you know, if we get a positive, so I wanted to mention that too. Um, You know, one of the things that happened with Harm Reduction Michigan during COVID is that we know nobody stops shooting dope because COVID is happening out here, right? And so we immediately asked to be considered emergency services so that we could keep our doors open and so that nobody could stop us. If we had an outreach worker driving down the road, nobody was gonna stop them and ask them, what are you doing out here? Everybody should be isolating at home. We wanted to make sure that our outreach workers, as well as our syringe service clientele, had letters that stated that this is an emergency services and I'm I'm accessing emergency services. So we immediately reached out to MDHHS to make sure that they had the language from some other states that are a little more progressive in drug user health issues, so that they could immediately state that syringe service programs and overdose prevention were immediately necessary and important and available throughout the epidemic. So we never closed our doors, not for a minute. And in fact, um, we've decreased some testing because of the amount of um, testing that we did in different kinds of facilities. And since those facilities can't bring people in to do testing anymore, that's impacted our testing but um you know we did over 500 tests throughout 2020 um in 2021 from january until today we've done approximately 499 of those are injection drug users we do hiv we do hep c we do hep b and so mdhhs is our partners we use um their bureau of labs to do our processing of our blood so um We don't have a lot of positives. Actually, in the time that Harm Reduction Michigan has been doing this work, which I think we were funded initially in 17, we had one positive and it was from testing that we did in Wayne County at a treatment center in Wayne County. Um, One positive in HIV, sorry, I need to clarify that. We've had a lot of positives in Hep C but so anyways just wanted to make sure that people know that when people come to harm reduction michigan i've been a certified hep c counselor and hiv counselor since i've been an hiv counselor since like 94. so um they get lots of good information about hiv prevention and taking care of themselves and taking care of their partners and taking care of their community and resources to do so and they can get a free test there so um, just want to make sure that that everybody knows that's a part of it. But like I said, what's so important about this conversation is that, in my opinion, we still haven't been able to get the discharge summary for that individual from the treatment center that they were discharged from before they went to that veteran's home. Um, definitely get the sense that, that, that place, it's not a treatment center that's actually in our catchment area at all but um, I get the sense they're avoiding us. I think I know why, um, but it's that, that kind of thing that um, by, by being in a collaborative effort like this, we can have good conversations and we can make sure that that continuation of care from one place to the next goes seamlessly and that we're all in contact with each other and you know, we get warm handoffs for clients.
8: And I'm, I'm all for being done with blaming the patient or the, the victim as well. Um, but also each other. Um, it, we, we all have a responsibility to take for this. Um, that there has been a lack in across sectors, in collaboration, in um, organization, and it, it's not any one agency's fault or any one industry's fault. It is something that is just, needs to be looked at as a problem and something that we come together to solve. Um, it is not going to be any one agency or industry that is going to solve any of these issues. It is going to require cross-community collaboration.
1: All right. This is why this is so awesome that you all attended today and why we try to have pertinent conversations. Um, I know for sometimes I feel like, uh, you know, the word coalition was um, the flavor of the month. and course, uh, every community and every county had to have a coalition and how relevant was it actually. And I will say from um, being a, a proud Kalkaska County resident that I do, I have to pat us on the back, um, that our coalition, we try to be relevant and, and have those conversations with community partners, um, but also try to just get out there and do the work. So, um, you know, it's it's still all about relationships. And uh, I, I know uh, Dr. McMorrow, we were very impressed when you were our guest speaker for the um, coalition and um, you're one of those docs that I say gets it. Um, just any comments you'd like to have about the current conversation?
12: Um, no, I mean, I, I echo kind of everything, you know, Everybody says about harm reduction. I always say, "Our, um, you know, Tim's got some great insight, and and Pam, you know, wonderful insight as well." I, I, you know, really practice on that harm reduction kind of time or uh, profile. You know, I always collaborate, respect, acceptance, empowerment, and compassion. Um, and I think those are the five principles I use with my patients. Um, I have two main goals with my patients. Um, that's one. Two. Um, keep my patients alive and retention of treatment and um, and that's what I really focus on and um, I think if we do that as a collaborative and um, you know we work on harm reduction we can really make strides and I think this is wonderful so um, if anybody has any questions about um, you know how, how my clinic works or, or kind of how we do things um, I was fortunate to train um, in Buffalo where we were really progressive in harm reduction we had uh, low threshold clinics Um, throughout the city where we'd have, um, you know, needle exchanges, um, low threshold buprenorphine. We had a ultrasound tech that would show people, um, you know, the good veins and things like that. We saw just a huge progression in infectious disease, overdoses, and um, just generalized health in collaborating with our patients to improve, um, you know, the whole scope of of their health. Um, So um, we just got to keep working at it. And and um, be um, compassionate and and just work like that. I, I
8: just recently celebrated my five years in recovery and I've come to look at my entire recovery is ongoing harm reduction. Everything about it is harm reduction. I'm never gonna be perfect. I'm never gonna be recovered.
2: He is actually- involved. But Heidi has
8: her hand up. Sorry, I hopped in and, and so stole the thunder he has there.
2: has these really great-
0: Go ahead, Heidi. And then um, and Johnson would like Carrie to talk about Planned Parenthood.
9: About Heidi. Um, I just had a quick question for harm reduction. Um, you mentioned some event on September 10th. Could you tell us where to find more information on
13: that?
2: Hi, uh, am I on? Yeah, I think you guys can hear me. Okay, sorry, (laughs) I've been flipping back and forth so much here. Yeah, um, actually, Heidi and I apologize because it's pretty last minute because it was spend down money that somebody offered us and they're like, hey, do you have anything you could do with some spend down money? I'm like, "Uh, yeah, there's somebody we've been trying to bring in from Yale for decades. And so it's um, just being finalized now. Um, We have the agenda. Um, I'm waiting for an answer from one person before I guess that agenda is finalized. Um, And so it will be September 10th at the Park Place. Um, That is the same day as the NMORC meeting. Um, Unfortunately, this guy's like a pretty big deal. Um, If you wanna Google him, his last name is Heimer, H-E-I-M-E-R. And um, the dates that he could come before the money had to be spent were pretty limited, which is why we ended up having to choose that date. and so, yes, there will be an option to attend virtually. Um, so we will be pumping it out on either Zoom or Microsoft Teams. And um, we will also be meeting in person down at the Park Place. And so um, thank you for asking about Hi. that, Heidi. As soon as I have something to send, I will be sure to send it out to this coalition as well as other coalitions that we're a part of. Thank you for asking. And it, it will be essentially 9.30 till about 3.34. Like I said, I'm waiting on this last speaker before I can nail that down.
0: Thanks. Let's see, so. Usually Suzanne
1: and I go back and forth, but since we're looking at the same screen, she's (laughs) looking at the chat and I can't see that far away. So.
0: (laughs) So uh, let's see, Kim wanted, where did it go? Carrie, you wanted Carrie
4: to talk about Planned Parenthood? Hi, um, I'll keep this brief since we're at time. I just, um, uh, yeah, so the, the, the question came up about stigma earlier, and I think that one um, really great way to combat stigma uh, is education. And um, so that's really what I uh, focus on as an educator with Planned Parenthood is community education. Um, I do all kinds of sexual health education, but again, just for the purposes of this meeting, um, I do focus a lot of my attention on HIV and viral hepatitis education, uh, prevention education. Uh, And that can be done anywhere really in Northern Michigan. Um, And so if any of you have, questions about that or um, are interested, um, I put my information in the chat. You can always just send me an email and I can talk to you about ways that we might be able to collaborate to get education out to individuals. Um, If people um, have opportunities specifically within uh, treatment centers um, or treatment communities, uh, we do have the ability to offer um, education that is co taught by our ambassadors, um, who, as I said earlier, are individuals um, who are in recovery themselves. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, Planned Parenthood in general, um, it sounds like everybody here is offering some really awesome, uh, fantastic uh, resources within Kalkaska County. Um, Planned Parenthood is located in Traverse City. so. Um, I'm just putting this out here as an option, but there are Planned Parenthood locations across the entire state. Um, So uh, we do offer uh, uh, prep, we can prescribe prep, um, and we can also offer STI testing, um, HIV testing, Hep C testing. Um, So it's just another option um, for individuals if they are interested in those services. Um, And then, obviously, along with that, we can do all of the other sexual health stuff that we uh, provide, Um, but I just, uh, yeah, thank you for the opportunity to get some of that information out, so please feel free to contact me with any questions or any opportunities for collaboration, because we would love to do uh, education in the Kalkaska area if an opportunity presents itself.
1: Thank you. So Carrie, I'm just curious in my work over the years and as a prevention specialist, I work with youth quite a bit. And I know that there's some pretty black and white rules as far as um, sexual health orient education in the schools that yes. have to go with the Michigan model. But um, I believe there was somebody from Planned Parenthood who um, that there was a little bit of collaboration in some of the area schools between Planned Parenthood, um, with nobody being able to get in the schools during COVID, I'm assuming that there hasn't been a whole lot of that collaboration going on anymore. Uh, but um,
4: oh, sorry, I didn't mean no, to cut no, you off.
1: No, I'm asking. I, I, I kind of yeah.
4: So I, um, I have partnerships with several area schools. I teach in a five or six county area. Um, Most of those schools I did teach during COVID during last year, but I just did it virtually. Um, So there are um, very, very strict rules, um, laws in place um, regarding sex education in public schools. Each individual district has to have a sex ed advisory board that has to approve any curriculum. So the Michigan model is one curriculum. They can choose any curriculum that they want but it has to be approved by the sex ed advisory board and then go through two school board meetings for approval after that. So the process is sort of tedious (laughs) and long to get anything approved. Um, I was doing some education briefly um, with uh, the alternative school in Calcasca, but that was years ago. And then the teacher switched and then they moved locations and then there was just not an opportunity to um, to come in. So I am doing things in local schools. So if I, that's another, obviously, if anybody has any connection to uh, local schools, whether it's in CalCasco or another yeah, other yeah,
1: starting a new and revamped alternative ed program and I'm the person that can put you in contact with that, so. We will talk.
4: Awesome.
0: <laughs> so, Carrie, the, uh, Victoria wants to know: Is prep on a sliding scale?
4: Oh goodness, Victoria, that is a very good question. Um, so, I do not know the answer to that question. Um, I know that um, whatever, because we obviously we take Medicaid, whatever. Um, uh, private insurance a person has, so I don't know if they are if they do not have um, insurance, how that works. So um, you can always contact uh, either the the trans or the the Traverse City office specifically um, to ask questions. Um, Kelly's usually the one at the front desk, and she's amazing. Um, or you can. Um, uh, I'm I'm sure that the information is on the website, but I can also get you that information as well um, and email it to you.
0: So we're kinda, we're getting a little bit past time. There's one question that I wanna ask. Um, As the Kalkaska Coalition, what can we do to help the current situation? What, What would you see us doing? Anybody wanna answer that question? I would see you guys
2: in doing what you've done today, you know, facilitating conversations. You facilitated this conversation beautifully. Thank you, Lisa and Suzanne. So this is this kind of thing, you know, on on all different levels. So facilitating this conversation, you know, disseminating information, disseminating resources, and, um, you know, continuing to do what you're doing. That's very helpful, you know, that You know, they know, people know that, you know, like we always said in HIV, you know, people need a buffet of options. (laughs) And so, you know, all of us are the buffet of options. And, you know, if a person wants, you know, this specific angle, then they go to this place. And if they want that specific angle, they go to that place. Or maybe that place has hours that are better accommodating to that person's schedule. So people have a buffet of options to pick and choose from in getting help, you know. So thank you.
0: Thank you, Victoria.
2: Yeah, just to piggyback off Pam, what she had said, I think
6: getting the word out there and just having more conversations with anyone who will listen um, and just to increase awareness and just emphasizing health, like as a whole. um, And then, yeah, just continually collaborating because I think the collaboration between everyone here could really aid in a really, um, I guess, inclusive response to
1: what's going on. We really wanna thank everybody here for their time today and their expertise. Um, I think this has been a productive conversation and um, we look forward to uh, future collaborations. Yeah, absolutely.